welcome back to The Short Game. This is a show where we talk about short video games, you know, little short ones, the kind of thing you can pick up and complete in an evening or a weekend. I'm your host, Reagan Kelly, and I am joined this week by Nate Heininger. How are you doing, Nate? I'm doing well. Glad to be back. And my bro host, Shane Kelly. How are you doing, Shane? I'm so good. Life is beautiful. So this is going to be a kind of a weird episode for us. Um... This has been an amazing summer for games. I mean, if you are watching the releases on Steam or on the PlayStation Network, you've been seeing a lot of interesting stuff pop up. And we've been playing a ton of games, and many of them this summer have been things that we loved, but that don't really fit our format or our, you know, the type of games that we tend to devote a whole episode to. And so we just wanted to make sure that we had a chance to talk a little bit about some of these really awesome games we've been playing this summer some of which we may have mentioned already in some form on this show, some of which we haven't, that, for whatever reason, probably aren't going to get a full episode of the short game, but we really, really, really wanted to talk about them with each other and maybe with recording apparatus. Yeah, you know, when you think about uh, big seasons for games, summer to me was always the season when no big games were coming out, Uh, but now that we're doing this show... I'm not waiting for the big Christmas releases. There's those little indie titles are dropping all year round. And so kind of discovering that maybe summer is the new Christmas. We've played a few things that I thought we would take a minute and chat about. And the first one that I thought that I know we've all played and that I was really excited to talk about on this show and that for whatever reason, we just haven't been able to fit a whole episode around is N++. Yep. Yeah, this game is great. It is very, it is the most pure <laughs> platformer uh, that I've ever played. Um, I guess BBV, BBV might make a uh, argument for that, but this does away with any ascent, uh, attempt at story, any attempt at characterization. It's just, here's a ridiculous amount of small levels um, that are going to get increasingly frustratingly difficult. And it's been a ton of fun. I love platformers. So this game has been perfect. The history on this game is a little bit interesting. It's the sequel to N+, which came out, I think, on the Nintendo DS, which was in turn a sequel to N, which was a... I think it was a Flash game, right? I never played N. Um, Shane, you've played some of the prequels, right? Yeah, I did. Uh, This is a long time ago. I can't remember even now where I played it. I want to say like Newgrounds or something. And it was, right. uh, yeah, it was originally a Flash game, and it was the first game that really I played that kind of tried to distill uh, the essence of the platformer, you know, the action platformer. I would put it up in kind of the the vaulted halls of the top 2D indie platformers of all time. That you know would be up there with your Cave Story, Shovel Knight, Rogue Legacy, V V V V V. Uh, it's an incredibly refined game. It's uh, it's very stripped down. So looking at the game, it's beautiful, but it's incredibly minimalistic. Your character is basically a stick man, and you're running through these levels that are essentially just solid color platforms, uh, usually festooned with little gold coins and lots of little enemies that are very simple little geometric shapes that all behave in different interesting ways. I think you're leaving out a... Uh... A key uh, description, too, is they are single panel. It is the one screen that you are looking at in front of you. Let's say you did it perfectly the first time. Each level can be under 10 seconds. You could jump real good and die real fast. But Yeah, but they are almost never completed upon first try. Uh, In fact, it it has that really satisfying 
every time you die, it's kind of like a little catastrophe every single time. <laughs> mm-hmm. You might get hit by a little bomb and your your entire self explodes across the screen, setting off every other bomb that it touches. All of the little sticks of your stick man just go flying. Yeah. It is it's really fun to die a lot in this game because it lets you reset instantly and you, you know, pick right back up where you left off and you're you're trying these very short, very frenetic little levels where it requires incredible precision in some of them. But because they're all so small, so contained, so short it doesn't ever really feel overwhelming or frustrating. And you can skip basically any level, which is really important because some of them are so hard that I probably couldn't get them perfect in a 100 tries. But what's really interesting about the game is that each uh, level is incredibly tiny and small and compact and and actually really well thought out. Each one is a really is a little gem of almost puzzle game level intricacy for a platforming stage. But there are 2,000 some odd levels in this game. I mean, the the big achievement of this game, apart from just creating an incredibly stripped down, perfected platforming game experience, they built, hand built, these are not generated in any way, 2,360 levels that come with this game. And there's an editor, I believe, or, or some community level creation aspect as well. So each level is these polished little gems, but there are so many of these. It's it's almost endless. Yeah. If if you're, uh, I've been sitting here trying to think of like a good comp for how the controller feels. You know, a good platformer, you have to, you, you, your hands become, you, you're, it's more like you're teaching your hands how to play than anything else. Like the way the controller feels in your hands and the way the characters slide and the way gravity works for them. Uh, the only comp I can think of would be uh, guacamole at its hardest. The way that you're 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 sticking on walls a lot and using kind of your momentum and bouncing off of walls between each other. It's not exactly like guacamole, but I did feel that kind of like I have to hold myself pressed against this wall, slide down exactly the right amount of distance before jumping over to the other wall, sliding down and then jumping up that wall just perfectly or I'm done. And that reminded me a lot of guacamole. Yeah, I t- actually, I can see that. And it's also, though, incredibly fast. Guacamelee always felt a little bit deliberate because your walking speed was so slow. Um, you could move faster by doing things like dashes. But this, you're actually a very, very fast-moving character. And your jumps are unbelievably long. It's just that you have relatively little control over your jump once you take off. And so you... Uh, you have to do these incredibly perfectly aligned and planned jumps. It's really, really clever. It's, um, I mean, it's a little we, slippery. Yeah, yeah we could do this incredible freedom of movement, but then they surround you with like things that are trying to murder you. <laughs> Spikes and bombs. Or homing and... missiles. There's homing missiles. There's like little laser guys. There's little like carts that just, once you land in front of them, they go really fast. Every type of platformer bad guy is represented somehow in this game. There's little slow-moving guys, there's little fast-moving guys, there's lasers, there's guns. And every one of the 2,360 levels has, you know, it's a single room and it has a title. It reminded me a little bit of VVVVVV in that way because sometimes the titles are just a flat title. Other times they're a bit of a joke or a hint about what to try, what mechanic you should be using. Yeah. Um, It's every... Everything about this game just bleeds care and attention to detail. 
And I was really glad I had a chance to play it co-op recently, which, uh, oh, my, my, yeah, yeah, there's a co-op mode. My, uh, my brother-in-law came into town and, uh, we sat down and played the co-op mode for, I didn't get very long to play, maybe about an hour. Uh, but there's a whole set of levels in this that are just for co-op and it felt a little bit like the co-op experience of something like Portal where, uh, or Portal 2, where you have to sort of plan where each person is going to be and really the the uh there's a more puzzle gamey aspect to it in the in the two-player cooperative mode because you you only have to get one of you to the goal but very frequently the level is constructed so it seems almost impossible to get either of you to the goal and you have to kind of puzzle your way through with multiple deaths how to get one of you to the goal it's really really clever one of the things that i always liked about the game um even though it's the most simple thing about it is the art style, mm-hmm. which is very minimal. But the thing it, it always just reminded me of Load Runner, which was always something that oh yeah uh, I was always a big adoring fan of ever since it showed up somehow on the Macintosh that was my first computer. So yeah, anything that uh, that's a game I'd love to see brought back is Load Runner. I was just playing Load Runner. I I, um, I went to a flea market and found a copy of the NES version of Load Runner. Um, which is great too. Like it's super fun. Although what was really weird about it was that it was a port, uh, by a Japanese company. And I'm trying to recall exactly it was, it was Hudson. Hudson did the port. And so rather than being that very kind of cool, fast moving black and white stick man, it has this very NES look to it. So the characters, the, the bad guy characters all look like Bomberman. Um, and it's actually interesting because that came, game came out first. They used this sprite from the NES port of Load Runner became the sprite for Bomberman uh, in those games later, which I thought was pretty interesting. Bomberman is a great series. Yeah, oh, it is, yeah. it's so good. There's, it is one of the most fun um, it, like party multiplayer games. It really is. That's actually, um, weirdly enough, that's another one that I played with my brother-in-law while he was in town, and we played a four-player game of uh, of of Bomberman on the SNES and nice. uh, that game still stands up as a really great fun party experience. So weird digression, but Bomberman is awesome. Yeah. Right on. Speaking of multiplayer, uh, the, the other game that I've been playing an absolute ton of over the last few weeks, and this probably won't be a huge surprise if you've been listening to the podcast, cause I know I've mentioned it elsewhere, but uh, I've been playing a ton of rocket league. Yeah. Rocket car soccer. <laughs> it's amazing. I, I was not expecting this game at all. I mean, I am not a competitive multiplayer person, and I was not expecting this game to... I, honestly, I was not expecting any game ever to bring me back to the world of competitive online multiplayer games. And yet this game has me obsessed with its competitive online multiplayer mode, which is basically its only mode. It's the hats, right? Yes. I don't know if I there's much that I have to say about Rocket League that I haven't already said on the show. It's it's car soccer. Uh, the van is the best car. <laughs> yep. They all have this. Um, they're all the same. Van, van represent? No, they're not. Yeah. Us fat boys got to represent our van. <laughs> I like the little. Uh, uh, I like the little Japanese car, and I like when it wears a fez. That's the best. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Let's talk about some of the like the specifics though. So I mean, yeah. I, I I think that like. The handling is really nice. Um, it's a really satisfying little car that you're driving around. Um, I think there's some a lot of thought was gone into it. Like your turning radius 
most of the time is wider than the ball actually is. So it's really hard to make a perfect like tight spiral and hit the ball. Most of the time you end up kind of driving in this silly circle right around it while everyone's kind of bumper carring each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and while it's mostly chaotic, there is, as you play it more, there's definitely like like legit soccer strategies, I guess, like yeah. who's controlling what zone and and how like the the plays are making on the ball. It, it it's really satisfying when when the game works, when everyone kind of works as a team. Yeah, it's more sport like than any quote unquote esport that I've ever sort of watched or tried to play. You know, with my meager abilities myself. Uh, it, it really does sort of when when it's really working, it really does feel like a team sport. And even when it's not working, it just feels like a kind of a hectic, fun multiplayer thing. There's not that much to say about it. If you've seen Rocket League, you can understand everything there is to know about this game in a minute. I mean, it has some kind of neat tricks that you can pull off if you know a little bit about the game's uh, um, boost mechanics and jump mechanics and things like that. But more or less... You're all a bunch of cars. You can drive fairly fast. There's boosts and there's a ball and you have to hit it into a goal. And you're usually playing two on two or three on three. Um, We played this just recently, actually four on four, which is a little crazy because it gets kind of crowded. They actually call that like uh, chaos mode or something like that. And uh, a brief shout out to our uh, listener, Brian, who uh, who joined us on the on the um, uh, on the team and was our fourth man and he's way better um, than us <laughs> yeah i was gonna say let's not call him our fourth man brian <laughs> he, he took I, point on that we lost we got crushed yeah. a lot but mvp he was the mvp of every game it was like the three of our scores combined was like a third <laughs> of what brian scored so uh, shout we out had to brian. That, thank you for thank you for helping us win a, at least one game we had the best moment of my Rocket League life, which is brief, but still, and also the most depressing moment of my Rocket League life, which was, uh, it was after Shane, you had left, so it was me, Reagan, and Brian, and we were losing a game, uh, three to two, and seriously, Brian scored with one second left on the clock. <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> I didn't think he was going to make it. We were watching it because, like, it's kind of a big field, and even though you're in Rocket Cars, it's not, it, it takes... Longer than it would sound like when we describe this game to get across the field. And so we're just watching him push the ball like a clear goal, but the clock was ticking and he scored one second left. And uh, I know Reagan screamed. Um, (laughs) I, I pretty much like jumped. And Brian was also uh, pretty loud. He was very cool. No, he was. Yeah. Yeah, Well, he he was like. He he was excited, but you know. Well, it's another just all in a day's work for him. Yeah, exactly. uh, and then, so we went to overtime, and uh, how fast did we lose? Uh, Fifteen seconds. I oh think. yeah, it was it was it was garbage, but <laughs> it, was, it was a good moment anyway. <laughs> yeah, it was like immediate. Those though. highs and lows, man. The yeah, game is incredibly League. fun. So if you have a PlayStation Four, uh, both N plus plus and Rocket League. So far, we've talked about our PlayStation Four games. N plus plus is exclusive to the PS Four. Rocket League is out also on PC on Steam. And one thing that I think is really interesting about it is that it is cross-platform multiplayer. People on PC can play against people on PS4 and so on. Unfortunately, they do not have an option to create parties that include people from both. So if you're wanting to play with your friends, you do have to be on the same platform. And apparently that's more of a policy restriction uh, than a than a technical one. Maybe that'll get lifted eventually, but I wouldn't hold your breath. So I would try to play on the same platform as your friends. It's 20 bucks on Steam. 
it was a free PlayStation Plus game in the in last month's PlayStation Plus games, or I think it's 20 bucks on the PS4 now if you happen to have missed out on that for some reason. It's incredible. I think it's uh, I think it's the next big eSport. I'm watching a lot of it on Twitch. I don't do that. I don't watch things on Twitch, so I'm loving it. It's amazing. Did we say yet that when you score a goal, the ball explodes and all the cars go flying? Because <laughs> I think, I think we mentioned that on a previous episode when we talked about this game, but that is one of those design decisions that it's like, Whoever thought that up, you were a genius. Well, and you know it was presented in the production meeting like, hey, what if the ball explodes when they score and everyone goes flying and everyone's just like, yup. Yep. Yep. Put yep, it yep. in the game. <laughs> Done. You. You have the day. Make that happen. <laughs> well, actually, you can tell there's a lot of polish on this game. You, 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 They clearly were going for, we want this to be a really polished esport ready experience. It's obviously, it's the sequel of a, of a previous game, which went by the title um, Supersonic Acrobatic Rocket Powered Battle Cars. Better name. Debatably better name, but probably (laughs) harder to Google and remember. Um, So it's clear they've had a lot of time to work on this concept and polish it and make it ready. This game launched ready for prime time, except for the servers, which went down a lot during the first week. But apart from that, this game is so polished. It's the perfect competitive multiplayer game. I've been enjoying the the hell out of it. Yeah, I think... um you know, to make a game good for constant multiplayer, uh, it has to feel balanced, which it is. I mean, the mm-hmm. cars apparently are minorly different, though I don't think you can really tell unless you play a ton. Um, but also, and this is really hard to a- accomplish, um, you almost, you pretty much never feel cheated in this game by anything. Like, most... Occasionally compet- there's lag, and maybe that would be a problem. But yeah, like... Almost never. It's very fair. It's fair by abusing everyone equally. Like everyone is <laughs> exactly. everyone is being subjected to these horrible controls. It's like competitive co-op. That's not at all true, Shane. That's really unfair. The game has really tight controls. Once you're you right, get used right. to its driving mechanic, the one thing that I think is really takes some getting used to is that the most there's two camera modes. There's don't crash mode and eye on the ball mode. Right, yeah, the the sort of camera, the ball cam mode, where the camera tracks the ball. It's always above your car, but tracking the ball can be really confusing at first because, you know, you might hold left, and actually left, it's like your car's left, and maybe your car is facing to the right, which means, you know, you might be driving in a way that you weren't expecting. It's just that the ball bounces and is smaller than, it, like, its hitbox is smaller than you would think, so it's constantly missing. Or I'll be going straight for the ball, and it makes just the perfect little bounce, and I go right under it. And I'm going really fast, so now I've zoomed past the ball, made it like into midfield, and you have to spin all the way around and come back at it. So it really rewards patience mm-hmm. in a game that you're controlling rocket cars. So I am not going to be patient. And it also really rewards coordination, which is uh, which is really interesting. I have been doing so much better in games where I'm actually talking to my teammates on mic, uh, even just for simple stuff like, oh, hey, do you see that? Like, okay, yes, I see it. We got it. Like, it allows you to coordinate a little bit and do some um, some coordination that actually is a little more like hockey than soccer, like, you know, flying Vs, that kind of thing, playing the edge of the field. You never did a flying V. Uh, you know, no I've way seen it done. A- <laughs> I can't <laughs> pull it off. Okay. But I've seen it done. <laughs> I've seen it done on Twitch, and those guys are, those guys are really doing it. <laughs> did they do a knuckle puck after that? <laughs> I don't even know what that is. <laughs> oh, come on. Uh, D2, Mighty Ducks 2. All right. No, no. Move no, on. I, oh, <laughs> <laughs> Damn, I lost my 90s cred, guys. Yeah, come on. 
one other game that I was really looking forward to playing and maybe talking about on the show, um, which actually didn't end up being something that I was all too thrilled with. And I, Listeners of this show know we basically don't do bad reviews. If we play a game and we don't enjoy it, we mostly just don't talk about it on the show. And there have been a few ex- ex- examples of games where we had mixed opinions about them. Things like our contrast episode where we talked about the game being really cool, having a lot of good ideas, but also feeling really unfinished. And we had a lot to say about that. But we, we don't really do bad reviews. Why waste your time telling you every reason that a game is shit? Yeah. And we've had a couple games that we were like, let's do it. We all play it. And we're just like, nah, nah. Yeah. What, like, like what Reagan said, like, I don't exp- I I know that I wouldn't just put on a podcast of an hour long of a bunch of people talking about a game that kind of sucks. So mm-hmm. we generally, but let's do it anyway. Yeah. Reagan. Well, I do want to very briefly talk about a game I played for the show that we decided not to do an episode on, but I played it recently and I, it hasn't gotten a ton of press. So I thought people might be wondering what it was all about. Um, we played Submerged, which is a, uh, it's, it's a game in the vein of things like Eco or Brothers, uh, Tale of Two Sons, uh, which we've talked about uh, Tale of Two Sons on this show before, and maybe someday we'll do an episode on Eco, actually. Um, yeah, one of our best uh, games we've played for the show. Yeah, it was a really fun game. I, I mean, I, I thought Brothers was amazing. Yeah. And speak of Eco, you know, it's the 10-year anniversary of uh, Shadow of the Colossus just came out. Oh, wow. Jeez. Just, can you believe wow. it? I can't. Um, I should go and replay those. But um, anyway, the, the Submerged has that same kind of style. It's a it's a game where you are a lone, weaponless, uh, you know, youngster. In this case, you're a teenage girl, and you're exploring a submerged city. Hence the title. Um, it, it, it's not really stated right out, but it's very obvious immediately that this is some sort of post-climate change thing where we're looking at an American or otherwise at least English-speaking developed city that has been flooded uh, to the point where it's now abandoned and there's you know trees growing out of the husks of all the buildings. And you are a sort of uh, tribal-esque looking uh, young girl Uh, who's bringing her injured brother, he's got some kind of a wound in his chest, to this uh, city in order to help him with, you know, his wound. So he's going to, um, he's injured and you're there to look for for supplies. So presumably it's happening uh, maybe, I don't know, 50 years or maybe even much, much longer after a significant climate change thing and all the people are gone, but you're there to help your brother. That's the story. That's it. The entire story of the game is exploring this submerged city um, using your sort of binoculars or, or telescope, rather, to uh, look for emergency supplies that are invariably in these sort of crates on top of buildings, climbing up those buildings, finding the emergency supplies, bringing them back to your brother. There's zero combat, which I actually like in, in a lot of games, games that try to find other ways to you know, give you a game experience other than combat. Um, things that are often called walking simulators or some other pejorative thing. Yes, that's I think that's my my new favorite genre. Yeah, <laughs> the uh, the walking simulator co-op, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Octo, so Octodad. Um, <laughs> I don't no, know what. No. Else. So walking simulator, 
Um, I, I, it's just that type of video game that lacks all the kind of normal trappings of video games, like a goal <laughs> or uh, win loss conditions or basic entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So it's it's our it's our favorite kind. I mean, one of our favorite genres of games is is this, and it's I think the name kind of started off as a as a pejorative, like oh hey. What is that game? It's not even a game. It's just a walking simulator. But uh, I, I do think over the past little while, we've gotten some really amazing examples of it, and we some of which we've even done for the show. Our very and, first episode was on Gone Home. It was one of the sh- the games that sort of inspired me to do this show. I mean, it's a it's a genre uh, that it's the only genre maybe that is really breaking new ground with new gameplay mechanics and new ideas. I mean, there's that's that's hyperbolic, but there's a ton of really interesting stuff happening in that space. Yeah, we just had uh, this year. Gardenarium was one of these. I don't know if you, any any of you guys got a chance to try that one out. No, I haven't played that. Yeah, it's like uh, it's like a cross between a walking simulator and a hallucinatory drug trip. <laughs> Sounds so like a plus. The vanishing of Ethan Carter. Yeah, that was another really <laughs> excellent. But this is far more trippy. This is going to okay. literally make you puke if you uh, if you stare at it for too long. Um, but it's the, the thing about that genre to me that is interesting and, and why I think it works is that it gets you really to pay attention to a story and it gives this story kind of room to breathe. Uh, it, it's. It's a, it's a genre that's as much about the fiction of exploring the story as it is about like, you know, the cool visuals that you might have or anything like that. And it's not about running and jumping and climbing. And for me, that's where Submerged kind of fell short. It has a, f- a story that's like a frame. Um, yeah, it's a very it, simple that story. That you're unlocking, but... Um, and it has some of the trappings of normal games, like the climbing and things like that. But it was all very, very sparse. So the, to, to make things like this work, you have to have that feel of being there. And there were so many little things in Submerged that pulled me out of that feeling of being there. Like if you try and get into a boat in Submerged, which is something you're going to do all the time, it cuts. It cuts away because they didn't have an animation for you getting in and out of the boat. There's a lot of little things about this game that like that that are I mean, that, that's something that I, I kind of could forgive. It says that's a tiny thing. It's just but it's a good it observation. Is. But really, the, the big problem with this game is that it's very repetitive. Um, you know, you're you're exploring this incredibly nicely put together submerged city and you're exploring it in a little uh, kayak. But essentially, all you're doing is trying to find these 10 objects amongst all of these you know, lovingly crafted buildings, but all of, all of the buildings are a little samey. You know, some of the buildings have some distinguishing factors and there's some interesting landmarks like a, a big uh, Ferris wheel or a large bridge or some buildings that have particularly interesting architecture. But by and large, all the buildings are a little bit samey. And then you're you're driving around these on, the, on your little boat. When you come to one where you have a, uh, you know, where there's an object on top of it, you can climb up it. But there is basically a single path up the building and the climbing mechanics. I mean, this is no Assassin's Creed or anything. Um, the the climbing is just repeating the same steps of climbing up, maybe climbing to the left or the light to the right, trying to find the path up. Um, when you get to the top, 
that's it. You found your thing. You head back to your little brother and you patch him up with whatever object it was that you found. And um, the dialogue is all in a sort of, I think it's a faux language. Like it's not, it's not real language, kind of like we saw in like Brothers. brothers. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which means that we don't really get any actual story. The story is told to us mostly through these sort of little pictograms that we kind of unlock as we go. It doesn't have enough story to support it as a narrative experience. It doesn't have enough gameplay to support it no. as a gameplay experience. It, it's just, it doesn't have enough uh, characterization. Like I, I think that the the trope of having your uh, your video game characters speak a made up language uh, is only one step above having the like nameless pl- uh, nameless faceless character be the lead. Which in, in terms of my least favorite tropes. Yeah, but we loved it for Brothers, though. Or at we least did, I did, yeah. I, I Which is weird, because that game pulled it off, I think, because, first off, the settings were dazzling. Like, there were, it was incredible variety. And even though all we really knew about these brothers was there's a younger brother and an older brother, it had real pathos, particularly towards the ending. Um, obviously, we won't spoil any of that. Go play that game. It's a lot of, it's, it's really neat. Yeah, I, I still think about that game all the time, actually. I, yeah. I, I loved Brothers. It had real pathos, but like the younger brother in Submerged, you never see him as anything other than, uh, you know, a sick kid lying on a on a bench. You You don't have that arc with him where you're like, get attached to him and then he is ill or something. So it's, uh, the entire game is just, Get a bunch of stuff, give it to the kid. Once you give it all to the kid, the kid is fine, and you leave. And Whoa, that's it. spoilers. I know, spoilers, but do not play <laughs> no. this game. It's bad. I'm sorry, guys. It was Aww. just I, 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 I hate I hate saying that, but it was it was just a it was a really I, I did not enjoy it. And I completed it. Like I, I played the whole way through. Maybe it took me th- three or four hours, maybe at the most. Was this done um using the Unreal Engine? Yes, it was. It sounds like it. I think it actually that, looked pretty good, like visually. Well, that's the thing with that right now is people are getting really good at making really pretty games um, with Unreal, and I wonder if sometimes that becomes almost too much of the focus. Like Brothers was so good because it was beautiful and also just enough, like just the two joystick mechanic was like enough to keep you engaged in it. Yeah. While also enjoying the scenery. This game, it just didn't, didn't bring anything new or interesting. I I was just really bored by it. So, um, we dwelled on this far longer than I kind of intended to. I just wanted to mention it as a game that, um, really seemed like it was going to sort of fit our wheelhouse and was a bit of a disappointment. So, uh, uh, sorry to say, well, I'm glad you guys played it and not me. (laughs) (laughs) oh well (laughs) i'll soften my opinion on it a little bit i i do think that if you have like 15 bucks to spend and an afternoon's worth of time there are definitely worse games that you could play and if you just want to play something where you're not being you know hunted by mercenaries you know if you want a little change of pace it's not it's not the worst choice you could make yeah and it is very relaxing so if you're into that style of game um it might be for you but it i I didn't feel it had enough going on to warrant I, i i didn't didn't loathe my time with it but throughout the entire game i kept expecting them to show me something else but 
it was always this climbing mechanic and then floating around on your little boat to find something else to climb. And that was it. That was really all there was to it. There just wasn't enough there. So speaking of boats, (laughs) (laughs) I know we've been talking about this game. I just feel like this is the perfect segue. finally build my boat um you must build a boat it took me nine hours to complete this game uh, wow. fortunately it is that puts it I, almost out of short game territory which for an iphone game yeah impressive well that's what i mean and it was it was three dollars um i don't generally care about match three games um i this is probably the most i've ever played a match three game other than maybe like Dr. Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine on my Sega Genesis. A classic. Yeah, like, you know, 20 years ago. Um, And and I'm not making... That is probably the other game that I've spent the most time on on, in this genre. But I was hooked, and it's a far deeper game than I was expecting. Um, It is also very, very challenging. Um, I Nine hours was a lot of me playing the same level over and over. And I was okay with it, mm-hmm. which is strange. Like, I, I generally, um, I'm not afraid of a challenge. I like difficult games. Um, but it, I do, I will get, you know, kind of bored with it pretty easily. Um, but this game kept my attention the entire time. Um, the additional, like, it gets more complex, more spells, more you uh, items, more tools. It, it I love this game, and I can't recommend it enough. I'm still loving it. I've only spent about seven hours in it, and I have um, uh, it has an in-game timer, so I'm able to tell that. And and uh, I haven't quite completed my boat yet. For those who haven't been following along, because we've for some reason we keep bringing this game up, we have talked about you must build a boat <laughs> on almost every episode of this show for the last two months. But um, it, it's a it's a really good iPhone game. Um, it, it's a uh, it, if you aren't already familiar, the short version is it's a match three puzzle game uh, in which you are matching puzzles in order to progress through dungeons. And by completing objectives in the dungeon, you unlock pieces for your boat, which then carries you to the next dungeon. Um, It's kind of silly and kind of a hodgepodge. Um, But it's really, really, really well done. The match three mechanics are really polished. Nate may not be a huge match three guy, but I've played a lot of match three puzzle games. I'm, I'm by no means like a god at them or anything. But, you know, I love my Puyo. I love my Tetris. I love my um, uh, Puzzle Quest. Uh, this actually reminds me Excuse a bit. Excuse me, Puyo of, is a match for. Oh, you're right. <laughs> Excuse me. But um, like this actually reminds me a lot of Puzzle Quest, which I played quite a bit of, uh, particularly Puzzle Quest 2. But it's like Puzzle Quest really narrowed down to just, just the parts that were active and fun. Um, the games are really short, 
One thing that I like a lot about it was that every time you go into a dungeon, you can decide how many objectives you're going to sort of take on. And the more objectives you take on, the harder your gameplay experience is. So it's actually kind of scalable. You can decide, oh, I, I don't really have time to play really in depth right now. I'm going to try to do a little bit of a lighter run or I'm going to do a lot of objectives and really go hard at it or something. Yeah, I was 100 percent of the time I played, it was max objectives the entire time mm -hmm. i feel like it would actually take longer if you didn't do that i think that's um, probably been part of the reason that i am taking longer with it because I, I like that sort of i like that scalability and it's uh it's a heavy duty game but it's it's in tiny enough bites and it's scalable enough that i can play it waiting in line someplace or i can play well, it while i'm you know waiting to get my hair cut or while I'm waiting on hold on the phone. Like it's a, it's a great balance of a game with a lot going on that you can play in these tiny little mobile sized bites. Yeah. I mean, I, like I said, it took me about nine hours to complete, but uh, it really didn't feel that long. I played it in really, uh, you know, on break at work, uh, sitting at home. Um, you know, there were, I never really like, sat down like hey i'm gonna play some you must build a boat it was like i got a, i got a few minutes to kill let me play it um and it was fun like as it gets deeper you know i again i haven't played a lot of match three but it was fun to like there as it gets harder there are certain monsters that are affected by certain tiles more so than others mm, or completely yeah. completely immune to some tiles so you would actually find yourself knowing that and like saving uh, sets of three, which I don't know of any. I don't know of any other match three game where I'm like, I don't want to match those three right now. I actually want to save matching those three until I'm fighting the right type of monster, and then I'll match them. But you have to balance that with the need to re refill your board and get new matches. Yeah, that's a really unique thing about it. In a lot of ways, it plays a bit like Puzzle League um, or like Panel to Pawn. You know, the, that that style of game, the like Pokemon Puzzle League, those games, the that series. Um, but it actually is a lot easier in that you can slide things really far. Like you're not limited to just swapping two tiles at a time. You can slide whole rows or columns, whole rows and match many things at once. If you, if you get the right slide and there are quests later to match, like match four sets of four in a row. So it has that beautiful scaling tush, 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 as four <laughs> sets all match at the same time. It's yeah. great. So compared to a lot of match three or match, you know, matching puzzle games, it makes it really easy. And yet it gives you these really interesting challenges that are constantly changing as you play through different dungeons. So I would say probably one of my favorite iPhone games I've played in, well, a really long time. It, it, and for me, like one of my favorite iPhone games, just simply that that's enough, like it's two ninety nine. Uh, they like the music is great. I actually, oh yeah, th the main theme song. And I don't know if you can find it, but if you can drop it in on the episode, I would just open the game and just leave it on the title screen because I wanted <laughs> to hear the the main song, and I would just set it down next to me while I was doing something else. Like this game, they really took their time with, and 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 that's why. Like it's not enough for an entire episode on this show because you know because we've is. already talked about it a million times. <laughs> sure, before. and it's really one have. mechanic that just gets you know gets deeper. But like everything about it is is thought out and 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 well well constructed. So. Mm -hmm. It's a super cool game. I 
I like collecting little dudes. What can I say? I want my boat to have lots of buddies on it. Yep. Yeah, you get all sorts of friends. And there's like secret friends too. I only unlocked one of them and it was at the very end. Is because I ate like a chicken bone while fighting the ice block. And it was like, hey, secret friend, he loves chicken bones or something like that. <laughs> and he, then he joined my boat and gave me like plus 2% against spell damage or something like that. <laughs> Funny. Because yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, uh, sure, why was, not? Yeah, it was great. So mm-hmm. we don't need to talk about it too much more. No, nope. uh, so go this play, brings go our discussion of you must build a boat to a close. We've not talked about it on basically every episode for for, for like almost two months. So um, do you think you that maybe one week if we uh, if we are in a spot to release something, we go back and edit together like a full episode worth of you must build a boat? <laughs> I, I think we easily could probably do a 40 minute episode of just the random things we've said about you must build a boat after kind of our uh, kind of our bottle episode. Yeah. So, um, speaking of mobile games, I actually just started a new game today, and it actually just came out today that I wanted to mention briefly on the show because I was so excited about it. Um, and this is a game that I'd briefly seen uh, on uh, on. So, I, I follow a bunch of stuff on Twitter about the Vita because, well, you know, there's not a lot of stuff Needs coming all the out. Help it, can get. it really does. It really <laughs> does. There's not a lot of cool stuff coming out on the Vita. And uh, what is, it's all multi-platform stuff, and it's all things that, um, uh, that are, you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's, a bit of a, it's a bit of a wasteland right now. That's not really fair. There's some really neat stuff on it. I'm actually playing it a lot. But I, I discovered this game because it's one of the few things coming out on the Vita right now, but it's also come out on PlayStation 4 as a cross-buy and also on Steam, and that's Curses and Chaos. And that's spelled Curses and then capital N, Chaos. And... Um, I think we briefly talked a while back, way back on this show, uh, about Tribute Games, who are the developers of um, uh, Mercenary Kings, and also a game that I really, really loved called Wizorb. Wizorb was a uh, was a breakout game, sort of mixed with a um, like an RPG. Yeah, yeah, wasn't it? exactly. It was sort of a, it was sort of breakout RPG. You played as a wizard, and uh, your battles were a sort of breakout style breaking blocks with a paddle type of game, but there were all sorts of magical based uh, power-ups and it had this really cute, really well done pixel art style. And uh, the pixel art was all done by Paul Robertson, who is also the pixel artist behind this game. Actually it is a partnership between Paul Robertson, who did the opening and ending segments and boss animations and another pixel artist called Stefan Boutin. Um, and he did all of the levels and I think most of the smaller enemies. And the game has the best looking pixel art. I mean, I can get really jaded about pixel art. I think a lot of the time that that uh, that style is really overused. It can be used kind of lazily. It can be used by people who don't have a clear understanding of like what pixel art does well and what it doesn't. These guys are nailing it. Paul Robertson is the guy who you, you've probably seen videos of his stuff. He um, he did uh, a bunch of Adult Swim videos. I'll put some links in the show notes to them because they are amazing. Uh, obviously, he did Mercenary Kings. He did Wiz Orb. He did, um, I think, Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Uh, and his partner on this also worked with him on a bunch of those games. Um, so Paul Robertson and this other guy, Stefan Boutin, are the kings of pixel art. And the style of this game is knocks it out of the park. It's beautiful. 
The backgrounds are beautifully done and have this great color scheme. Um, the character models and, and enemy models for the main sort of mobs or bad guy enemies look like something that you'd see on the Neo Geo Pocket Color. They have this gorgeous look to them. It's really, really cool looking. So the look really grabbed me. And I started playing it today on my Vita. Um, you can check it out on your PlayStation 4 or Steam if you are one of the most of people who don't have a Vita. Uh, it's a couch co-op game, or you can play online. It's a beat-em-up. It's a sort of single-screen beat-em-up where you're surviving waves of enemies, and when you get to the end of each wave, you you fight a boss. Um, there's not a whole lot for me to say about it yet. I've barely even gotten to the, the first boss yet, but I just wanted to mention it on the show because I don't think it'll probably make a full episode of the short game, but it's super cool. I'm really enjoying it. The art is gorgeous. Um, There's a prequel comic that's also done in a cool pixel art style that uh, I'll link to in the show notes as well. I think it's a game that's definitely worth your attention, and it's only 10 bucks on PS4. I think it's also only 10 bucks on Steam as well. Let me double check. Yep, only $9.99. So it's really a cool game. You should check it out. That sounds cool. If it's got online co-op, I think I'll pick it up just to try and play with you. Oh, twins. Um, I'm a... uh, I'm a big fan of Mercenary Kings. Molly and I have played a lot of that game together. Um, and they did a great job with that. I can only imagine that they've learned and mm-hmm. and taken that game and, and really Yeah, made they it. actually really seem to have kind of stripped down and made a, a smaller, very focused game here. Mercenary Kings was a big game. Tons of it enemies, is. big it, levels, lots of bosses and other stuff to do, tons of missions. This is a yeah, It's much, almost too much. Yeah, like it, that's, it almost that's is. the only thing with Mercenary Kings is it's kind of like, oh my god, like we played for ten hours and it was like, okay, that's the intro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a very, um, it's a bit more stripped down. It's definitely promising, and I just wanted to mention it. It's really cool. Have you and Molly tried uh, Hell Divers yet? We have not, um, but we're going to soon. So we got that game on Saturday, but we also like tore apart our living room in order to uh, do a bunch of painting and kind of reorganizing of stuff and didn't think about it and actually had turned off and unplugged the PS4. So the game didn't download. And so uh, not that our internet's super slow, but we turned it on last night to be like, Hey, let's check this out. And it still had three gigs to download. And so that kind of put a, uh, a hamper on that. So we're going to play that soon though. Um, I'm really excited about it. I actually listened to the episode of you guys talking about it that I was not on, and it finally convinced me to pull the trigger and check out the game. Finally. We'll have to get a co-op uh, match going pretty soon. Yeah, I'm re- I'm really excited about it. Um, it sounds and looks awesome. So we, got, uh, we just got a sound bar and a subwoofer for the TV. So playing Limbo, um, you know, spoiler alert for a future episode, uh, it was infinitely creepier uh with the subwoofer just all the like and the thumps of like the spider legs and stuff it was it it was perfect it was like the perfect game to get along with a new sub nice i've got to ask you for some advice about that because i'm looking into buying one as well um well i have a small living room so it's not um we actually kind of went like small scale because you don't need much for the little living room. So there's a couple other games that I just wanted to briefly touch on when I said at the top that this has been a really exciting time for short games. 
Um, part of the reason is that just over the last couple of weeks, several what I would kind of consider double A titles, like games that are indie games, but that have a, a pretty high profile um, have come out. And um, neither of these is ones that we can probably report on very much. They may be the topic of future episodes. So if there's things that you've checked out and you have anything to say about, please do let us know. You can let us know through Twitter or go on our website and fill in our feedback form or email info at theshortgame.net. But um, what I'm talking about are uh, Everybody's Gone to the Rapture, uh, a game from, um, what is that studio called? It's basically a first-party indie that sort of falls uh, under Santa Monica. Yes. Thank you. Uh, the Santa Monica studio under uh, Sony and also volume uh, from Mike Bithel. Uh, and these are, I think probably the two highest profile indie releases of the summer. Um, I'm probably forgetting some big ones, but uh, to me, they seem like the big ones. Everybody goes to the rapture is from the same people that did dear Esther, which is something that I have very much wanted to play, but I've never gotten a chance to yet. Everybody's Gone to the Rapture looks really, really neat. It's PlayStation exclusive, which I think is a bit of a bummer, but it is out on the PC, uh, the PS4, and um, I, ha- I have been wanting to play it, but I know I haven't gotten a chance to do it yet. Shane, you've started it. Any initial impressions? Does it seem like something you want to may want to yeah. talk about on the show? Uh, it's, it's something I think would be right up our alley. Um, it's a beautifully created, beautifully rendered English countryside town in Shropshire. Um, it's very detailed where you want things detailed and um, wandering around you, at least so far I've been, I've spent uh, the whole time just sort of meandering and wandering and never run out of new things for it to be showing me that were surprising or interesting and move the story along. So uh, it seems like no matter they've they've done it in such a way where no matter which direction you turn, no matter where you go, you seem like you're always moving things forward story wise. And it I was I was at first thinking it would be kind of a, a spare sparse experience because I knew, you know, by the concept of the game that all the people would be gone. But there's actually a lot going on. I don't want to spoil anything. It's it's pretty cool. I'm looking forward to checking it out. Um since it's a PlayStation exclusive, I know this will be that'll be another episode where we'll need to ex- uh, exclude Laura. Um, oh. We've never been great at being timely. If you're really just interested in uh, in you know is this game worth playing, there are a lot of great reviews out right now. Um, I read the one over at US Gamer and I thought it was a great review. So if you're interested in hearing more about the game, uh, check out some of the great reviews that are already live. We may or may not do that as a future episode uh, as time allows, but it's definitely one that I'm really looking forward to playing. If it's something that you want to hear. Uh, about on this show, let us know, or if you've already played it, uh, let us know your thoughts. Uh, The other game that I am really looking forward to playing that just came out yesterday is Volume by Mike Bithell, as I said, uh, um, as I might have said earlier. Um, Mike Bithell made Thomas Was Alone, which we gushed about to no end on this show. Thomas Was Alone was really, really good at telling a story that had that, that got you emotionally invested in polygons. Like that is <laughs> the most I've ever cared about a set of shapes. Yeah, I mean, and it was done entirely through just incredibly well written dialogue and you know decent gameplay. It was a good and platformer a ni- and a good nice puzzle British, a nice British voice narrator. Yes. Let's so be honest. This game volume um, 
takes the same approach to storytelling and applies it to a stealth game. It's a 3D game, which uh, Thomas Was Alone obviously wasn't. Um, and uh, it's a sort of modern or futuristic Robin Hood story um, where a character named Loxley is sort of breaking into digital vaults and stealing information from uh, powerful people to distribute on the net. And um, I don't really know a whole, whole lot else about it. Um, everything that I've seen in terms of the uh, the trailers uh, has been pretty encouraging. It seems like they've got some good voice actors going, including Andy Serkis, who played Gollum, among many, many other things. Uh, he's got a great voice, and uh, it really looks like a lot of fun. Um, I haven't played a stealth game in a long time. I don't think we've played a stealth game on this show, although we've had a few that we've talked about doing and haven't been able to get around to. Yeah, which is kind of weird because it's it's one of my favorite genres. I've always... I'm like desperately wait waiting for them to bring out the re-release of Dishonored. Oh yeah, I, didn't that just come out this week? I oh, it's out. out. Oh, I gotta go get that. I think it's <sighs> out now. Yeah, um, I uh, I think it's already waiting for me on my PlayStation Four for when I have time in between other things. So vol- so volume is really looking cool, and uh, hopefully that'll be something you'll be hearing from us about on this show soon. It's out right now, uh, as of yesterday when we're recording today. Um, on PlayStation 4 and on Steam for PC and Mac, and it's coming out on Vita, but that version was delayed a couple of weeks, so that's not actually out yet. But um, I think it's like 20 bucks. Uh, definitely check that out. And if you've already played it and have any thoughts for us, uh, as, of course, you're probably hearing this a few days after we record, uh, send us those thoughts at info at theshortgame.net, go to our website and use our feedback form, or on Twitter at underscore shortgame. So apart from all of the video games that we've been playing for the show and otherwise, um, what have you guys been up to lately? Uh, as usual, I am running my dungeons and my dragons, and uh, I can't tell you guys how excited I am uh, for the uh, the upcoming quest through the mirror of dead men. Ooh, that sounds very dramatic. Yes. Wait, is it is it like a mirror made out of dead men? Apparently, is mirror it, is like is like synonymous with mire or swamp. Why don't you just say um, mire? Yeah, it's just a fantasy word. I don't know. That's how they wrote it in the adventure module. Did you look it up in the pronunciation dictionary? I did. Yes. Okay. I wanted to make sure that I wasn't mispronunciating my made-up fantasy land words. Hmm. Well, I have also been doing some stuff with miniatures recently. I um uh, I recently picked up robo rally a board game that i have played before but not in many years and uh, there was a sale on amazon and picked it up that game's super fun guys if you haven't played robo rally you should check it out i don't know how much it costs now it was on amazon for like 20 bucks on sale which was great because it's got a bunch of little robot miniatures and it's kind of a clever game you sort of program your robots with little actions and then everybody's actions resolve in a particular way and your robots can end up zapping each other with lasers or falling into pits really fun um Interesting fact, designed by Richard Garfield, the guy who designed uh, Magic the Gathering. Um, so it's a, it's a pretty good game. Holds up. Totally worth playing. Sure, yeah. Um, I played a game called Star Realms the other day, which is a deck building game, which is fun. I've played some Dominion as well. Um, but this was a much more aggressive deck building game than like... Yeah, I just bought Star Realms. Oh, really? Yeah. Have you played it yet? No, I haven't gotten a chance to. Yeah, it's fun. Um, if you know how any other deck building game works, it's the same. Only instead of like, I'm going to build my deck to get the most victory points or whatever. 
it'll be like, I'm going to build my deck to destroy you and, and kill your deck, uh, which is kind of fun. Um, the games are pretty quick, too. Um, Sounds pretty neat. But also, um, I am undertaking a project of something that is not generally what I am accustomed to, but I'm trying to build a Settlers of Catan board, like a custom-built board. Nice. Um, yeah, it, it's something I've always wanted to try, and I finally was like, oh, I'll give it a shot. So I bought a big piece of wood, and I'm starting... I got a skill saw, and we'll see what happens. But I got a lot of plans. We'll see if I actually... Watch your fingers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, it's like saws and stuff like that, I'm not new to that. But like making like finer objects, like perfectly uh, shaped hexagons is really going to be a little... <laughs> going to be a little difficult for them all to line up like I want them to. But I bought a big piece of wood, so I've got plenty of uh, I've got plenty of room for failure. Well, good luck. Yeah, thank you. If if I do it, if I make it like I envision, I'll take a bunch of pictures and throw them up on like the short games Twitter or something. Um, pretty excited about it. I got cool. a lot of plans. We'll see if I can do it or not. Well, one last piece of news before we wrap out. Um, I I'm kind of excited because uh, Sony moved their a yearly convention, PlayStation Experience, to San Francisco this year, which means that I can actually get to it and don't have to you know, buy a plane ticket or a hotel. And uh, they also brought the prices of the tickets down pretty significantly. So I thought, heck, why, why the hell not? I'll, I'll buy a ticket and see what it's like. So in December, I'll be heading to PlayStation Experience. If any listeners are going to be there as well, get in touch. I'd love to meet you folks. And um, I'm looking forward to hopefully checking out the Morpheus headset. I really am interested. I haven't gotten a chance to try on any uh, VR headsets yet. So I'm hoping to get a chance to, uh, to try that out. And uh, if you want to drop us a line, either about that or anything else you've heard on this episode or any future thing that you think we ought to cover, um, please do get in touch. You can find us on Twitter at underscore short game, or you can go to our website, www.theshortgame.net, where there's a feedback form, or you can write to at, uh, excuse me, info at theshortgame.net. You can also find me on Twitter. I've been your host, Reagan Kelly, and I have been joined by Nate. Where can people find you on Twitter, Nate? You can find me on Twitter at NateSTL. And Shane, where can people find you? I'm over at 8BitShane. And thank you so much for joining us on this episode of The Short Game.